Hi, this is Barry Kitson, and you're listening to the Comics and Coffee broadcast. Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. many of us that means Christmas time. I know, I know, not everybody celebrates Christmas and that's fine. I want you all to do you and make every moment your own. But just so you know, before we get any further in, this time around I am looking at a non-religious holiday tale centered around Christmas. So everybody be cool. It's too close to the big night and I don't want to end up on the naughty list this year. And speaking of the naughty list, well, never mind. We'll we'll get to that all in good time. This episode, I'm looking at the one-shot special, Gen 13, A Christmas Caper, from Wildstorm, published in 2000. For those who are picky about clarification, yes, Wildstorm was owned by DC at this point, but the Wildstorm characters were not fully integrated into the mainstream DCU, Also, this is an alternate take on the concept and characters, and why am I being so specific? You're all waiting for a review here. Writer and artist Tom McSweeney, inker Richard Friend, colorist Jeremy Cox, letterer Todd Klein. Gen 13 created by Jim Lee, J. Scott Campbell, and Brandon Choi. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through I.O., The computers were humming, all systems were go. The generals in the war room sat planning a coup, while the boys in the lab toyed with gene-splicing goo. Men in back rooms worked on new schemes to try how to topple a government or uncover a spy. The keepers at their posts stood ever alert, guarding the top secret, protecting the covert. Yet amidst the skullduggery, plots, and deceit, lay a peaceful oasis, a quiet retreat. Far from the machines, tucked away from the noise, was a room with bright colors, with a chest full of toys. The Genesis Project created this scene to house five small children with the Gen Factor gene. This special group, that's more like a team, five superpowered tykes, codenamed Gen 13. We see all the young Gen 13 kids, minus Grunge, helping Miss Helga set up the Christmas tree. Grunge has been coming up with a foolproof plan to determine exactly when Santa will arrive and where to be so he can catch Santa in the act. Grunge estimates Santa's arrival at 1.14 a.m. Fairchild finds the whole plan completely ludicrous, but Freefall, much like Sally listening to Linus talk about the Great Pumpkin, hangs on Grunge's every word, 
and decides to help him with his plan. But not before making sure to leave Santa milk and cookies, entrusting her faithful teddy bear to guard them. Elsewhere, we see that Free Falls Teddy Bear actually contains a camera allowing a man known only as the Baron to watch the Gen 13 kids' activities. The Baron's assistant, Contessa, informs him that they have located their target and he is moving quickly. The Baron assures Contessa he will join her shortly. First, he checks on a certain project he has been working on, which allows us to see a giant hand slamming against a wall in an effort to find release. Then the Baron proceeds to narrate how he has overcome every personal failing in life, every potential obstacle, save one. We are then shown the Baron's personal collection of lumps of coal, each one kept under glass and labeled with the year in which it was received. It seems the Baron has forever been on the naughty list since 1939. The sole obstacle that stands between him and greatness. But such an obstacle will be eliminated tonight. 108. Contessa's team spots Santa's approach. 111. Santa touches down on top of Project Genesis building, as well as Grunge and Freefall hiding in a box, him trying to find Santa, her trying to get a kiss. 114. Just as Grunge predicted, Santa and two elves drop from a ventilation shaft, because no chimney, duh. At that moment, several of Contessa's agents spring from hiding and attempt to apprehend Santa. After a small slapstick-style scuffle, say that five times fast, the agents are victorious and take Santa, the elves, and Grunge, and Freefall with them. The noise awakens Miss Helga, clad in cold cream and curlers who quickly discovers Grunge and Freefall missing. Back at his headquarters, the Baron and Contessa interrogate Santa for his list. An elf reluctantly hands it over, but Grunge quickly takes off with it. However, he doesn't make it far before he is taken down and the Baron gets the list. On level 26, Miss Helga and the rest of Gen 13 are searching for Grunge and Freefall. They find them, as well as Santa and the elves, in a small jail cell. How they knew where to look, we never know. But whatever. Comic book plots. Anyway, Fairchild tries to use her enhanced strength to bust them out. About that time, Contessa and the Baron are alerted to the breakout. The Baron decided he is entirely too tired of Miss Helga's Project Genesis Bratz, and unleashes his own personal project a potential Frankenstein's monster. The available Gen 13ers use their powers against the monster as best as possible, but to no avail, causing Miss Helga to jump into action to defend her kiddos. Santa informs Freefall that he has a little magic available to perform one miracle every Christmas. He enchants Freefall's mistletoe from earlier, and it slowly floats above Miss Helga and the monster. The leaves danced and shined like a night star they blazed, while the fierce combatants froze, shocked and amazed. Santa's miracle wish began to take hold, touching their hearts, reaching deep to their souls. It washed down like waves, the light from above, bringing warmth and feelings of love. And the children looked on, bearing witness to a Christmas miracle 
that came to an end with a kiss. And of course, the kids are grossed out. On the roof, the Baron and Contessa announced their plans to deliver gifts to only naughty children and only Cole to the good boys and girls. It will shatter all faith in Santa and his vaunted list. At that moment, all our heroes, monster included, burst through the roof. Contessa quickly takes out the monster, knocking him from the roof. Freefall dives after him, and Contessa explodes her robotic arm, which snakes around the Gen 13 kids. As the Baron attempts to escape and enact his plans, he checks the list to reveal he has been holding Grunge's plans all along. Freefall manages to reach the monster and levitate him upwards just in time. Rainmaker, who has had almost nothing to do this entire comic, is ensnared by Contessa's arm. However, Rainmaker quickly delivers an electric shock that almost takes Contessa out. However, that honor goes to Grunge, who covers her in snot. Burnout, who also had nearly nothing to do this entire comic, manages to snag the Baron from his rocket sleigh before takeoff, and Fairchild lifts just enough of the roof to keep the machine from mowing down Santa. The crash does, however, cause Santa's giant gift sack to drop down on a snot-covered Contessa, crushing her robot self. In the aftermath, Santa informs the Baron that he was never on the naughty list. The Baron's father would always get up early, sack up all the presents and burn them, leaving only a single lump of coal in their place so that the child would grow up stern and tough. Literally one of the saddest things I can think of, folks. Having learned the truth, the Baron's heart grows three sizes, I assume, and declares that Christmas can yet be saved. He instructs his agents, as well as the Gen 13 kids, to help Santa by delivering presents all over the world. When the last ship returned that Christmas morn, it was the Baron and his creature, tired and worn. They'd worked without rest, stuffing stockings galore. Only Santa himself managed to stuff more. But the Baron was not through. One task remained, to dispose of the stones that caused so much pain. He approached the vault with nerves of steel to do the deed that would make him heal. But while he was away, he could not have known, the Gen 13 had made a plan of their own. They gathered up presents from Christmas's past and carefully tucked them away under glass. When the Baron saw this, his heart leapt with joy, for he'd finally received some Christmas Day toys. The strength of this gesture left him not quite the same. Santa's list marked naughty would never more bear his name. The wonders of Christmas were now in his core, and a part of him bloomed like never before. There was a warmth inside, much like a flame, and every year after, Santa Claus came. And that's the story. I'm going to pause here for a promo break and take a chance to wipe those joyful holiday special tears away. The Gen 13 Files, a monthly podcast hosted by Randy Andrews. Each month, I'll take you on a journey of reviewing Gen 13 the comic from 1994 clear through 2003. What is Gen 13? Glad you asked. 
It's a comic that started out produced by Image Comics and has morphed from Wildstorm clear to DC. Who is Gen 13? We have Caitlin Fairchild, ah! Roxy Freefall, wow. Grunge Chang, ah! Sarah Rainmaker, and Bobby Lane. These superhero teens encounter aliens, <laughs> evil corporations, <laughs> vicious robots, <laughs> and strange travels. They've also encountered characters from Marvel and DC. This is a fan podcast, and I'd love to talk about J. Scott Campbell and Jim Lee. I'll include comments, art references, and talking about my favorite characters from Gen 13, specifically Caitlin Fairchild. I hope you enjoy the ride and keep powered. Welcome back. I've stopped blubbering enough to be able to talk about this story with you. I hope. I gotta be honest right here at the front. I'm not an overly experienced Gen 13 reader. For in-depth analysis on them, check out the podcast The Gen 13 Files. Randy Andrews is examining the team's history on an issue-by-issue basis. So it will be a while before he gets here. But that's okay. Anyway, on to the story. I really enjoyed this one. McSweeney does an excellent job of presenting an adorable little holiday special starring the Gen 13 crew as youngsters. It reminds me a lot of watching the old Rankin-Bass holiday specials with a few bits of Grinch and Peanuts Christmas thrown into the mix. The humor is honestly funny. I promise there's really only the one gross-out crude humor moment. Most of it is situational and is really worth all the grins and giggles. The story itself is touching and heartwarming, especially at the end. When you see the Baron's reaction to finally getting presents, it is truly as satisfying as getting to see the Grinch sit down with all the Who's or seeing the kids rally around Charlie Brown's pathetic little tree to spruce it up. The art is, for the most part, appropriate. The art is, for the most part, appropriate. It goes to some extremes of goofiness for the sake of humor, but it's acceptable. Santa is a bit um, larger than I would expect, but I suppose from the view of the Gen 13 kids, it would be about the right perspective. I do have a quibble with Rainmaker's face. Why do all the other kids get actual faces, and she has this single line for a mouth and no pupils in her eyes? Like, I remember looking at Gen 13 comics when they first came out, and All the ladies were the typical 90s cheesecake designs, despite what their characters were. I do not remember Rainmaker looking like some kind of doll come to life. Otherwise, this one shot is top notch. I really hope anybody looking for a fun holiday comic manages to find this one somewhere. The poem elements are fun, the art is almost flawless, and honestly, even if you aren't a big holiday person, you can still enjoy the story. 
And if you are a big softy who has an even bigger soft spot for kids, like I am, feel free to skip the two pages that shows the Baron's past. You might just cry. I know I did. But it turns to tears of joy just a few pages later, so kudos to you, Tom McSweeney. You tell a good holiday story. Let's take another promo break, and I'll be back with listener feedback. Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this? The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call... Or this. Team, grappler ships dead ahead. It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it. Or. If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of. And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew. Home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at twotruefreaks.com and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. I'm going to have some coffee. What do you want, some uh, milk or uh, what, milk? Coffee's fine. Yeah, I drink it. I'm hip. I don't know. This is espresso, you know? It's like coffeezilla. I said I'm hip. Okay, we're back with listener feedback. Just a reminder, we do still have the iTunes review contest going where you can win a copy of Detective Comics number 670 signed by the amazing artist Barry Kitson. All you have to do is leave us an iTunes review. doesn't even have to be a good one. You could just say, hey, give us one star and it would be a review. If you don't have iTunes, I understand. Just shoot us an email and leave a review there. I'll be glad to read it and consider you submitted. And this is an international contest. You can submit if you are a non-U.S., I promise. Why am I harping on that right here at the first? I still don't see any iTunes reviews. Come on, people. Don't you want this comic? I know you want this comic. Alright. Moving on, we did get a ton ton of shares and feedback on the last episode, which was Rob Kelly and I talking about Legion of Superheroes, number 306. 
Twitter favorites and retweets came from Fire and Water Network, Film and Water Podcast, Digest Cast, Superman Movie Minute. All of those starring the aforementioned Rob Kelly. Uh, Greg Arujo, Alan at Judah the Hammer, Son of Cthulhu, Siskoid of Siskoid's Blog of Geekery and Fire and Water Network, Ange at Dr. Ange70, Jim Bell, Matthew Barton, Laurel Phillips, The Irredeemable Shag, who introduced last episode, Alan Middleton, Longbox Crusade, Cash Flag, Trekker Talk, Between the Pages, Rad Adventures, Lamont Cranston at The Shadow, 1931, Professor Frenzy, and Drew Love, uh, Chris Carnes of Bat Books for Beginners, Longbox of Darkness, Abel Padilla, Richard Field, Tim Price, Firestorm Fan, For the Non-Discerning Reader, Earth 2 Chris, James Hudson, and Iowa's Joe Crawford. On Facebook, we also got likes and shares from Paul Hicks of the Waiting for Doom podcast, Michael Allen Carlisle, The Crap Box of Cthulhu, Michael Lane of Comics in the Golden Age podcast, Vic Sage, Iowa's Joe Crawford, Rob Kelly, Al Sadano, Martin Gray of the blog Too Dangerous for a Girl, Shag Matthews, Jerry Green, Derek William Crabb, Longbox Crusade, Pat Sampson, Mike Peacock, and for the non-discerning reader. We also got quite a bit of direct feedback on this episode. Dr. Ange, one of the Legion of Super Bloggers and uh, Supergirl Blogger, has some advice for Rob. Rob, do not go past this issue as the next several issues are omen slash profit rough. But do go back and get anything in the 280 to 301 section. Sounds like good advice to me. The man probably knows what he's talking about a whole lot more than I do. Manny Del Rosario says he always thought Starboy had a badass costume back in the Levitt Skiffin era. Me too, Manny. Me too. For those of you who don't know, that is the completely black uh, costume with the Starfield all throughout. Definitely a good one. Paul Hicks of Greater Australia said, Great episode! Plus, this did much to make Rob Kelly seem like a reasonable human being. (laughs) It's amazing what Rob will do when he's hopped up on Slurpees. The Irredeemable Shag said, Finally, I get to introduce the episode. Love that Rob can't get away from me. Well, it kind of just worked out that way, but, you know, we'll let the conspiracy theorists have their way. Derek Hall, a.k.a. Calvinist Beast on Twitter, said, Fun episode. Always liked the Legion, and my favorites were Lightning Lad and Timberwolf. Keep it up. Now off for my second cup. Glad you enjoyed it, Derek. 
Jolly Martin Gray, possibly the secret prince of Edinburgh, said, Fun episode. Rob likes the Legion. I knew he wasn't a monster. I bought this as a kid, and yes, the main draw was the election. I knew Tom's history by heart. Still, I can see how it would serve newer readers well. When you lads were talking about Starboy's Superboy-like powers, I got the impression you didn't know he lost them by the time he joined the Legion. Maybe you didn't remember the powers because he didn't have them for more than five minutes. I smiled at Rob saying he would have voted for Aquaman as JLA leader. His first act, if you voted for him in, would be to disband the League. <laughs> well, Martin, as my good pal Travis likes to put it, Aquaman disbanded the League because everybody was too busy to pick up the damn phone. But that's a discussion for another time. I think you hit the nail on the head about Starboy's powers in my memory. Either that or I'm just getting old. Maybe both. <laughs> Ange came back with a comment on the website saying, I covered this issue and this section of the run over on the Legion of Super Blockers blog, and he gave uh, the web address for that. For those of you curious, that website is legionofsuperblockers.blogspot.com. He also says, I am surprised that Rob dropped the book, giving the three issues that he read. 304 and 305 are truly high points. 305 has the violet reveal. The idea that a legionnaire was replaced for months was nuts. And one of the joys of the Legion is its history. So seeing issues like this, where you get the characters out of action, learn their personalities, and get a healthy dose of Legion history, including surprise made this fantastic as well. I don't think I could have put it better myself, Ange, and goodness knows I didn't. Globetrotting Trekker fan Darren Sutherland wrote to us saying, I enjoyed your episode about the Legion with Rob Kelly. Having heard the many jokes about his thoughts about the Legion definitely made him a fun guest. I never read the Legion much growing up, but have definitely come to appreciate them much more from reading the Mike Grell issues and listening to the guests we have cover those issues on our show. Thanks always for your fun podcast, and good luck with the contest. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Darren. For those of you who don't know, Darren and his wife Ruth run a show called Warlord Worlds, which covers all the works of Mike Grell. And they have currently been having guests come on to talk about Mike Grell's stint on the Legion. So if you are curious about the Legion, be sure and check out recent episodes of Warlord Worlds. And once again, thanks for reminding us about the contest. Seriously, people, this contest is running until January 31st. You have time. Alright, I think that pretty much does it for this time around. Everybody, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and hope you all have a wonderful holiday, whether you celebrate or not. Either way, the new year is coming up, so let's all make 2018 a wonderful year, and make it full of comics, and hopefully full of some coffee, too. Until next time, thanks for coming by, where the comics are never too old, and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. 
feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.